Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brenda. Good morning, church. Good to see you all today. Welcome to community, whether you're here in person or online. Anybody get out to the Rugby Sevens at all this weekend? All right, we've got a couple people, and those that are there probably are there right now, so uh, they're enjoying that. It's encouraging to see uh, Hong Kong begin to open. We had at least one person here from the first service who was here for the FinTech uh, conference, and so yeah, it is encouraging. But it's great to be here with you all today. We are in the midst of our Jesus Way series, and today we talk about dealing with offense, not sort of a light topic a big topic, but an important one, as we think through how does Jesus deal with this? This is the image we've been using this whole series, and this image here on the very left, heaven and earth overlapping. This is really Genesis 1 and 2, only two chapters in the Bible, but really it's sort of the plan of God's, of humanity created in the image and the likeness of God being his hands and feet, his ambassadors in the world. Sin came and separated heaven from earth, and God's redemption plan was set into motion, first with the people of Israel and then through Jesus. And then the last two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22 of the Bible, are that complete overlap again of heaven and earth. Our life groups are going through curriculum right now that really talks about those last two chapters. And so this is this journey, this overlap. How did Jesus do that? Where are these places where heaven and earth overlap? And so we look to him as one that we can learn from and grow from and be transformed by. This is the series in a nutshell. We started with faith in the wilderness. And if you are in the midst of a wilderness of deconstruction, of challenges, hold on to Jesus in the midst of that. Pastor Brenda you know, reminded us that as believers, we have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? We talked about unity or uniformity and Paul's teaching in Romans 14 about not dividing over disputable matters and ministering in the margins, being a stone catcher that Jesus was. And then finally, last week, power. The source of your power will determine the shape of your power. And Jesus's power came from the Father, and his shape was to wash his disciples' feet. So today we talk about offense. And if we're going to pursue unity instead of uniformity, It probably means we have diversity and more opportunities to offend, to misunderstand, to to harm one another in that process. I saw this definition of being offended, and I thought it, it works for us. Being upset and hurt by a perceived insult or because someone has been rude or shown no respect. I'm guessing most of us have maybe been on the receiving end of that, um, sometime this past week, right? And so let's dive in. Um, But as a way of sharing, is Karen back in? Um, All right, let's welcome Karen up as she shares from her heart about this. Come on up, Karen. All right, Karen, thank you for your bravery in doing this. Uh, Share people who don't know you. uh, Who are you and what do you do during your work day? Okay, I'm Karen, and I uh, I teach uh, primary school um, at primary school English. Okay, yeah. great, and a mom. Mom. All right, working in shine. So anyway, tell me a little bit. You know, I, I approached you about this topic of offense, and um, how do you typically deal with offense, Karen? 
So my go-to response is to um, withdraw, retreat into myself, um, and I tend to internalize the whatever has happened and internalize it and take it on board to validate all the conversations I've had in my head since I was little about how I'm not good enough, how I'm, there's all, there are all these things that are wrong with me, and this just confirms it, and yeah. Yeah, and Feeling I'm guess- sorry for myself. Yeah, yeah, and I'm guessing that's not uncommon for many of us here. Uh, can you give us an example um, where this happened? So not so long ago uh, at work, um, uh, a colleague that I was actually quite close to uh, said something that was quite hurtful, and I felt like it was a dig. And then some others also joined in, and soon it just felt like uh, like I became the butt of the joke. And um, so I started to withdraw from the conversations in the office and, um, yeah, just retreated and just basically internalized everything. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that was hard, right, mm-hmm. in that environment. If, if Karen was her ideal self, um, how, how would you want to respond, um, maybe to that instance or to offense in general? Well, I suppose if I were an ideal self, I would not suffer self-esteem issues, mm. in which case I would not take on board all the uh, hurts and insults as if they were truly who I am, or I would also then uh, address it with the person, say, you know what you said earlier, perhaps you didn't intend to offend, but it really was upsetting. If I were brave enough, I would do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, for Karen, for coming up here. Let's, yeah, let's give her a hand for being vulnerable and open in that sharing. And I'm sure lots of people talked to you after the first service, Karen, but one person came up to me and said that was exactly how I responded to when people offend me. So they were very ministered by that sharing. So thank you. All right, so not an easy thing to do. I think most of us can relate to, you know, to what Karen does. There's kind of this flight response, right? Like, we're offended, we're out of there, we cancel you, right? We disengage, and then maybe we internalize, or we, you know, condemn them in our hearts, and, you know, we build up this story. Or maybe we go into fight mode, you know? You're going to insult me, I'm going to insult you even worse, or, or maybe we freeze, right? We're not sure how to respond, and there are so many opportunities uh, to get this wrong, but it's important we talk about it to try to get it right, right? Now, how many of you, um, anyone here, just start working out recently or worked out after a long time of not working out? What is the feeling you have after you've done that, started working out or a long break? Yeah, it's hard. Your muscles are sore, right? And I've had that happen. We were on a men's group hike, and I, and I see some of the men in our, on that hike a couple weeks ago. And, it, and I see the, the, no, the, the host of our hike um, build it as not too hard of a hike, right? And so I felt pretty confident in being okay, and it turned into about a five-hour hike, and it was kind of challenging. It was up Sunset Peak on Lantau, and there's, I don't know, seven or eight of us guys, and... Um, and the next day, anyway, after this hike, I was quite sore. Like, 
it was using muscles I didn't normally use, and it was hard to get out of bed. And if I had never had that experience of what it was like after I worked out, right, that your muscles get sore, I would think, I'm giving up working out. Like, what is the point? I'm worse shape now than I was before I did this hike, right? But if you've done this process, you know that it's the breaking down of your muscles, right? They have to break down. They get sore in order for them to grow. Those muscles haven't been used, and so they, they atrophy. They're not getting worked out. And so the soreness is a part of the process. If we're in a difficult conversation and we get offended and we think, I am out of here, right? I don't want to do that. That should be an indication. That's actually a stretching opportunity. That's a growing opportunity. The worst thing, you know, isn't that we, that we you know, are offended. The worst thing is that we don't love well when we are offended. And so we're going to look at how Jesus did this, right? How does he teach us to do this when we are in that place of being offended? All right. So Matthew 5, 38 to 42, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Okay, so what is Jesus getting at here? He says, you heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He's looking at the Old Testament there. And these laws in the Old Testament were given to limit revenge. They were given to stop the escalation of revenge, right? You offend me, I'm going to physically hurt you, right? You kill my livestock, I'm going to kill 10 of your livestock, right? And we see this escalation of, like Samson is a great example in the Old Testament, of escalating revenge, right? And so laws were given to limit it. You couldn't do something greater than, worse than what was done for you. So these laws of retribution, right, of reciprocity, um, if you actually killed somebody's livestock, you had to replace that livestock. In Jesus' day, the, these laws were really converted into fines. So you didn't have to bring them another cow, but you would give them money to replace the cow, right? And so the person had to pay for what was taken, and it couldn't escalate. So laws of reciprocity, right, says this, you are good to those who are good to you. You are bad to those who are bad to you. You help those that can help you. You honor those that honor you. You shame those that shame you. And really, this is how much of the world still works today in small ways. If you're given a Christmas gift, do you feel the need to reciprocate, to give somebody a gift? If your child is invited to a birthday party, and maybe you weren't planning on inviting that child to your kid's birthday party, you probably go ahead and do it, right? Um, you're nice to those who are nice to you, and those who are mean to you, maybe you write them off or you're mean to them. Law of reciprocity is often how the world works. But Jesus undercuts this. Jesus turns things upside down. And this is getting into that overlap, right? This overlap of heaven and earth. 
Jesus says it's not the law of reciprocity that's in that overlap. It's something else. This is what he says. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Resist. Do not compete in evil with the person. Do not retaliate. The law of reciprocity says you can retaliate. You can slap them back. Old righteousness says, I can resist back what you did to me. I can do to you. Jesus' righteousness says, don't resist. Now, this passage gives us four examples of that. And this slap on the right cheek, now this is not, just to clarify, this is not um, physical abuse. This is not about self-defense. This is not a um, theology of pacifism. This is all about insult. So nothing I say today says, if you're abused, keep being abused, okay? This is about being insulted. Now, to be slapped on the right cheek, right? Turn to them the other cheek also. What is Jesus saying here? So one, we need to understand that being slapped was an insult in that culture. It's a personal offense, To be slapped is an insult. If you were slapped on your left cheek, you had to pay a fine, right? No, if you did the slapping on the left cheek, you had to pay a fine for insulting somebody that way. But if you slapped somebody on the right cheek, the fine was four times greater. Now, why is that? Why was that offense so much greater? Well, this is the reason. Your, your right hand is your slap hand, right? But your left hand is your toilet hand. So if you hit somebody on the right cheek, you're, losing, you're using your left hand to do it. You only did that when you felt superior to the other person, right? You're saying, you are below me. You're my employee. You're my servant. I can humiliate you in this way. And so to be slapped on your right cheek was to say this person does not have worth. So what is Jesus' very clever way of resisting evil in this? He says, you're slapped on your right cheek, turn to them your left cheek. Acknowledge my worth as a person. Slap me on the left cheek. Acknowledge that we're equal in God's eyes. Acknowledge that I'm not below you. And if they don't, they're shamed, right? You haven't run away. You haven't hit back. You've creatively resisted in nonviolence to expose the evil. Now, how did the early church deal with this? They, they were um, a church of much diversity as the Christian faith spread out of Israel into Jews and Gentiles, different cultures, different practices. We sang about the cornerstone, Jesus being the cornerstone. Paul tells the church in Ephesus who were bringing together Jews and Gentiles, remember that Christ is the cornerstone. He is your center, as we had talked about a few weeks ago. He tells the church in Galatia, who's also wrestling with these same challenges of diversity, socioeconomically, culturally, he says this, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith, for all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all valued. You are all made in the image of God. He's saying those differences, it's not that those differences don't matter, but those differences don't make you less than. The diversity is the beauty of it, but they don't allow us to put one another on a hierarchy to be above another person. The church um, that Erica and I grew up in did not have a lot of um, sort of cultural or ethnic diversity, um, not a lot of theological diversity. And so we didn't get the opportunity to have some of these muscles stretched very much. We were in some ways living in an echo chamber, everybody saying and doing the same thing, that uniformity piece. When you have diversity, now you open yourselves up to being stretched in these ways, right? Different cultures, different understandings. What did they mean by that? How do I understand them? All of a sudden, it's like, wow, this can be challenging, but it can also be beautiful. So how do we do this, you know, in a practical sense? We're, we're probably, you know, not in a, a slapping each other's cheek sort of culture in terms of insults. Um, so how do we do this when we're maybe verbally insulted, maybe offended in other ways? One of the things we've talked about um, over the years is this idea of three gates, three gates that our words should pass through, right, before we utter them. And the first is, is it true? And we have talked about this idea of truth in, in several of these sermons during the Jesus way. Now, who's truth, right? Is it fake news? Understanding the source, getting to the bottom of the story, because chances are we, our version of events might be different than the reality of events. Two, is it necessary? Proverbs 19.11 says this, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it's glory, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So you might realize, you know what, it's not that big a deal. I can let go of it. Um, and if you can't let go, it is true, it is necessary. Is it kind? And that's a tough one, I think. Is it kind? One of the verses I was reflecting on this week that, that speaks to kindness is Micah 6 8. And you know, to be honest, the kindness of this part, this verse is the part I remember the least. <laughs> I love the justice. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness, or some translations say mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Usually we want justice for ourselves, right? We want justice in the world, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, we understand the need for humility, but the love kindness. Do we love kindness? It can be so easy to ignore that important part of this. Kindness is hard, but it's part of what God is describing to us is to be our character, to love kindness. Last year, Kim did a class um, for us um, called Crucial Conversations from this book, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. And the definition of a crucial conversation is it opposing opinions, right? So there's diversity there. There's strong emotions. This is something you care about, right? 
and then the stakes are high. And that creates an environment where the conversation can be fraught with challenges. Um, We've also looked at this book over the years, Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most, and if you want to come up afterwards and and take a picture, or to borrow those, um, feel free to do that. So how do we navigate difficult conversations? I've kind of cobbled together a list from some of these different sources, and I found this helpful for myself as I think through how do we do this well. One is to check yourself and decide whether to raise the issue. And again, this is, is it necessary, right? Do I need to let go of this? Can I let go of this? Explore both sides of the story. This, again, is active listening. I'm there to hear, to listen, not just to look for confirming information, but disconfirming information. It's to create a safe environment, not to attack the other, but to listen, to slow down. Listening the Jesus way is not easy, right? Because if we don't, if we're not willing to hear the other person's story, especially if their culture is different, their background is different, right? To say, I'm not interested in hearing about those things is to ignore them as a person, to ignore their story, to ignore their background. And the more diversity we have, the more we have to listen well. Because if we don't listen well, it's going to be difficult to love well. We might enter into their story and realize that instead of being somebody who's lightening their burden, we're actually adding to their burden. And maybe it drives us to confession and repentance. Know their story. Share, not to change minds. Wendell Berry, the poet, says, Seek clarity rather than victory. The point of a conversation, the point of dealing with offense isn't to, to, to have a victory. It's reconciliation. It's about relationship. It's about love, to love well. Problem solve. Develop options that, that can satisfy most of the concerns. Keep in mind that relationships that always go one way rarely last. And keep communication open. Talk about that together. And be patient with yourself and others. We're all on a journey. Bring grace, kindness, and patience to yourself. You know, the sermon today is as much for me as as anybody else. This is an area that I know I need to grow in, that I need to be stretched in. As a, a teen, I was definitely in fight mode. And I don't know what you know, walking in the hallways in school is like here in Hong Kong as much, but if somebody bumped into you, like, and it was, you know, intentional, then you you ended up in this bumping and pushing match, and it could break into, like, a physical fight. And it was this offense, you know, this, this machismo type of a thing. And I got into several fights that way, right? And that's embarrassing now, right? And so part of what I can do now is just to pull away, to do the flight thing. So I know that this is not an easy thing for me and maybe not for you as well, but Jesus really invites us into getting better at this. This overlap here is so important because it reflects who God is to the world, It's hard work, but it is so worth the work that goes into it. Because one day, 
you know, this, this Revelation 21 and 22 that we've been looking at, we're going to be in the throne worshiping God together, everybody there worshiping together. For now, we get to be in this overlap. We get to gather in community. We get to gather in life groups. We get to gather around the Lord's table in a few moments and to know that we are all of value, we are all worthy, changes our perspective. We should want to cross those lines of offense with kindness, with humility, with a desire to understand and share because God loves us all and wants us to work well together. I was reading from Albert Tate um, in the U.S. in his book, How, to, How We Love Matters. And he, he's writing about reconcili- you know, racial reconciliation in, in the U.S. And he says this, they're one package, love God, love your neighbor. You can't separate these things. Oftentimes, maybe we think we can. But as we know, Jesus calls us to do both. These are the parts of our vision, the first two parts, a community that loves God and loves people. And that's everybody, everybody, not love that person, not this idea of reciprocity, love those who love you. This is love everybody, and so it is not easy. If you ask in in survey after survey, um, people are asked, non-Christians, what is your view of Christians? The first thing is not that love at the bottom. It's judgment. Judgment. All over the place that comes up. They'll know us by our our theology, our doctrine, our name-calling, our divisive talk, our judgment. No. God wants us to be known for our love. That means loving well when we're offended. That means loving well when we are the offender. It means opening up our heart to God to allow him to minister to us, to encourage us, to convict us, to grow us. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter in the Bible. Easier to talk about love than to do love. But in that chapter, it says, you have not love, you have nothing. And church, Satan would love for us to have nothing. It is hard work, but God desires us to be a community known for our love, knowing for dealing with offense well, loving each other in the midst of this. And will it cost you something? It'll cost you everything, church. Jesus exhorts us to pick up our cross. And that might be the cross of offense. It might be the cross of an offender, The Jesus way is not the easy way, but it is the best way. It is the richest way. It is the most fulfilling way. And turning the other cheek is the Jesus way. And we can't do this on our own strength, church. We need one another. We need community. Let's bring this to God today. God, um, we just bring, bring you our hearts, God. Maybe some of us are here this morning and um, we have been offended, maybe even today, maybe this week. Maybe we fought back, maybe we withdrew, but we, we bring that to you, God. Confess it to you. Maybe we have been the offender. We have been the one striking the cheek. 
God, we bring that to you today to disarm us, Jesus. We repent. We confess. Jesus, we know um, the Jesus way is not easy. You're not just giving us a list of behaviors on, on how to behave. You're desiring us to be transformed from the inside out to reflect who you are to a world, to a community that so badly needs to see it, Jesus. So we depend on you. We hold on to you. In your name we pray. Amen.